would you be willing to die for? Often we think um, that we would be heroic in all kind of situations, but if you really, really thought about it, what would you be willing to die for? I, 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 would, I would like to say that I'd be willing to die for my family, uh, probably of uh, the times when I've been most concerned um, has been not when I'm by myself, but, but when I'm with my family and I know that I'm, I'm called to protect them. M many, many years ago, my wife's going to kill me, but we were going to a wedding and I was in a wedding party. We, we were really dressed up, dressed up. It was a real fancy wedding. And, uh, and we had a, uh, a minivan, so it had kind of like the aisle in, in the middle. And, and we, the, the wedding was in New York. Uh, we drove to Brooklyn, and, and, and I'm driving, and, and I got into a, a little bit of a road rage situation, arguing with this guy. It was a long time ago. Remember that part. Start arguing with this guy, and he, he's on the passenger side, and, and we stopped at a light. He put down his, his um, window, and, and I put down my window, and he motioned as if he was, you know, coming to pull something out. And a week before that, just laying in the bed with my wife before we go to sleep, and she told me, I love you so much, I'm willing to die for you. Well, be careful what you say, <laughs> because the test is coming. As this guy motioned, in one motion, she hit that seatbelt and dove in the middle of the aisle. And um, nothing happened, we drove off. She sits back down, she starts to cry, and I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. So I'm believing that she's crying because she was all dressed up and she messed up her dress and we're on our way to the wedding, not from the wedding. So I said, why are you crying? And she says, um, I really thought that I could um, die for you. And then she said, I, I love you so much, but I just realized in that situation, I wasn't willing to die for you. And, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and that really impacted her. So that was well over 20 years ago. If the situation comes up again, not road rage, but where she gets put to the test, I'll use another sermon illustration one day and see, let you know how she responds. <laughs> but there's um, certain things that are worth dying for. What, what is it that you would even be willing to give up years of your life for? Jacob worked seven years 
for Rachel. And, and he said, it felt like only a couple of days because I loved her so much. And, and when, when Jacob worked those seven years, Laban tricked him for, for seven more years. So 14 years he worked for his wife. He was happy to work for her. Maybe we should use that as a little bit of criteria to see in premarital counseling. Are you willing to work for her father for X amount of time before you get married? Find out if he's a hard worker, if he's consistent, if he really loves her. But there is a price to pay for everything. There's nothing that is, is actually free. What, what in your life do you sacrifice for? Because you're sacrificing for something. We, we, we sacrifice to, to live in a certain kind of house and to drive a certain kind of car. Sometimes we sacrifice for people. Sometimes we sacrifice for fun and for entertainment. Nothing is free. Everything costs something. It may cost you your time. It may cost you your money. It may cost you the giving of yourself. It may cost you all three. But some things we buy, we end up having regrets. Right? You ever bought something? This did not end up living up to what I thought it was going to live up to. Sometimes there's no refunds, no backseats. You got it? You got it. There's other things that we've purchased that we, we thought this was such a good deal, right? We're so happy with certain things that we purchased. This was a great bargain. You know, there's even a cost the following Christ. The Bible tells us, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's a cost. Another text tells us, and whomever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. This morning's sermon is titled, It Will Cost You Something. We're going to find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll be reading out of the CSB this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'd ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin at verse 3. It reads this way. We are not given anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything by great endurance, by affliction, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labor, by sleepless nights. 
by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of faith, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true, as unknown, yet recognized, as dying, yet see, we live, as being disciplined, yet not killed, as grieving, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet enriching many, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been open wide. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I speak as to my children, as a proper response, open your heart to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that the Holy Spirit does a work in each and every one of us when we come under hearing your word. We thank you for preaching and how you use it in a special way to do a work in us and for us, Lord. We ask that you would give us our daily bread this day, that we leave this place different than we came in. We've come to a place where we rely on that. We come to church because we know it to be true, because we've seen you do it time after time. And for that, we are grateful, Lord. So we anticipate being blessed this morning, being changed and looking more like your son. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul here is, is appealing to the church in Corinth, assuring them of his love and qualifying his ministry after false teachers had accused him of ministering for personal gain. The text says, we are not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. We, we should all, as believers, work hard not to be stumbling block. That, that the words we preach, those things that we say, those things that come out of our mouths are not inconsistent. Our lives speak just as loud as the words that come out of our mouths. It's been said that what is built up by the lips can be pulled down by the life. We've heard the saying, a do as I say, not as I do. No offense means 
the giving of no just cause for offense. Because truth and holiness is an offense. The cross is an offense. To, to present the gospel and none be offended is impossible. If the cross be an offense, let man be offended rather than God be offended by our silence. We, we, we seek unity, but, but not at the cost of loving others to hell, but because of the refusal to open our mouths. So sometimes opening your mouth is going to cost you something, but it's well worth the cost. The text goes on to say, instead, as God's minister, we commend ourselves and everything by great endurance by affliction, by hardship, by difficulties, by affliction, oppressing. Uh, affliction is, is pressure applied. I, I'm good when it comes to a big incident happening or a big event. I, I deal with it okay. But when you have pressure where it Builds, where it's one thing after another after another and you seem not to get any relief and it keeps pressing you. That becomes difficult. That is what affliction is speaking of. But by hardship, those things that are imposed on you from external conditions and, and some of them you cannot get out of because of duty. Right? Sometimes you hold a position that when hardships come, you don't have the option of running. You just have to endure. By difficulties, those, those things that distress, put you in a narrow place, those things that seem to squeeze you. So, so this is speaking of, of God's ministering, uh, God's ministers enduring affliction and hardships and difficulties. This is, this is the life of God's ministers. Not, not only the pastor, but all believers in some aspect. This uh, Friday, uh, the youth were spoken to about pressure. We spoke about pressure in our staff meeting as well. And, and one of the things that we spoke about when it, when it comes to pressure is often we want to relieve ourselves of these things, but doing nothing never relieves yourself of pressure. Matter of fact, sometimes it adds to the pressure building. It says, by beating by imprisonments, by riots, by labor, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger. What, what's the, what sacrifice, what price are you willing to pay for Christ? 
you sacrifice for everything else. There's nothing that we have that there's not some level of sacrifice. So, so my question is, what sacrifice, what price are you willing to pay for Christ? In their book, How Christianity Saved Civilization and Must Do, must do It Again, Mike Aquila and James L. Papper, uh, Papadrea gives this account in the opening chapter of this book. It says the bishop was led into the stadium where death and gore were entertainment and where the crowds were hoping to drown the harsh realities of life in the fear of their own mortality and someone else's blood. Three days earlier, Bishop Polycarp had dreamed that his pillow was on fire. He knew that meant soon he was going to face the flames. Now, he, as he entered the arena in chains, surrounded by those who hated the faith that he stood before, he heard the voice of God encouraging him, telling him to be strong and courageous. When the crowd saw him and recognized him as the leader of the Christians in their city, they cheered to see that he had been arrested. Polycarp stood before the Roman proconsul, the man whom the emperor had sent to be the governor of the province. When asked, Polycarp confirmed that he was indeed the, the bishop of the city of Smyrna. This was as good as an admission of guilt. Being a Christian was not only illegal, it was considered an antisocial, even treacherous, treasonous crime, and therefore worthy of death. The proconsul attempted to convince Polycarp to deny his faith to save his life. You're an old man, he pleaded implying that the ordeal Polycarp faced would be all the harsher because of his age. All you have to do is take an oath to the emperor and renounce your fellow traitors because Christian worshipped only one god instead of many gods of the Greco-Roman pantheon, the non-Christians took to calling Christians atheists. The proconsul promised Polycarp that he would go free if he would only deny his faith in his Christian community by saying away with the atheists. In response, the bishop of, of Smyrna turned to the pagan ground, uh, crowd and pointed to them and said away with the atheists. Angered, but wishing to make an apostate rather than a martyr, the Roman proconsul pressed again, swear the oath and I will release you, curse Christ. But Polycarp 
calmly replied, I have been his servant for 86 years, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? As the proconsul continued to rail at the bishop, Polycarp went on, if you think that I will do as you requested and swear an oath to Caesar, pretending not to know who I am, then listen carefully. I am a Christian. Now, if you want to learn the teachings of Christianity, set a date and give me a hearing. Eventually, the proconsul took a different track. He threatened him with wild animals that would tear Polycarp apart while the spectators cheered. But the bishop responded, call them to change one's mind from evil to righteousness is a good thing. But to go from better to worse is something we cannot do. The proconsul responded, If you're not afraid of the wild beasts, I will have you burn with fire unless you change your mind. Polycarp replied, You threaten me with fire that burns for only a little while, and then it's put out. But you know nothing of the eternal fire, the eternal punishment that awaits the ungodly at the coming judgment. Why do you hesitate? Come on, do what you will. Members of the crowd eagerly help gather wood for the fire. And as the bishop prayed, the fire was lit. Although the flames surrounded him, the saintly bishop's body was not consumed. Finally, a soldier was ordered to kill him with a dagger. The wound produced so much blood that the crowd looked on in amazement at Polycarp's blood because it put out the fire. But the bishop was dead. The fire lit once again, and Polycarp's body was burned to prevent his veneration. But the faithful of Smyrna were able to retrieve his bones, which were treated as holy relics. What are you willing to sacrifice? There are some that are killed. There are some being beaten and imprisoned for their faith as we speak. Like we are real comfortable. Paul certainly was willing to go through all of whatever God had in store for him. Are you even willing to give up some comforts for the gospel? Are you willing to give up some time for 
God's work? Are you willing to labor for Christ in his church? Do you have any sleepless nights where you wet your pillow in tears praying for others? The text says by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labor, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger. I'm afraid that the church is too comfortable. There were times when, when Paul had no food to eat. Do you ever fast subjecting your body to discipline? for the spiritual benefits it brings about. The text says, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. These are, this is a different type of category. These are, are not imposed on us from without, but these come from within. They, they are possessed by the mature believer. These are things that ministers who are called to bring light into dark places go through. Not only the pastor but all believers who minister, whether it be in the church, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in your school, says, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet recognized, as dying yet see we live, as being disciplined yet not killed, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet always being enriched by many, as having nothing yet possessing everything. How is it that you would even get through that? How did Paul get through that? He got through it from the verses above, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through the weapons of righteousness from with the right hand and the left. We, we may not be called to martyrdom. We may not be called to prison or even to be physically beaten for our faith. But it will cost you something. But even though it will cost you something, it's well worth it. We may have sleepless nights at times as we wrestle in prayer for others, interceding on their behalf for the sake of their souls, but it is well worth it. We may miss some meals as we fast, disciplining our bodies for spiritual gain, but the cost of discomfort has its benefits. 
The Bible tells us the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain in the, in the land for three years and six months. And when he prayed again, the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. As God's ministers, we, are, we commend ourselves to everything. These are the things that we go through, but by great endurance, by affliction, by hardship, by difficulties, by labor, labors, it will cost you something. And what is the reward for all of this? It may be the person that's sitting beside you. If the seat next to you is empty, continue to endure Continue to wrestle for them. Keep fighting, and that seat may be filled. That would be your reward. In the book of Jude, it says, Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. We, we don't go through these things for nothing. There are people that are standing on shaky ground, and you're standing on a sure foundation. Hold them up in prayer. Deliver to them the word of life. Labor on their behalf. I ask you again, what are you toiling for? What are you sacrificing for? Ecclesiastes 2 says, for what does a person get with all his work and with all his efforts that he labors for at under the sun? Everything that you do, all your energies, all your time, all the work that you do, what's the benefit? For all his days are filled with grief and his occupation is sorrowful. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too is futile. There is nothing better for a person than to eat and drink and enjoy his word. I have seen that even this is from God's hand because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? For to a person who is pleasing in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering, accumulating, in order to give it to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. This, too, is futile in the pursuit of the wind. You can come up, worship team. When I read that story in multiple accounts about Polycarp, I thought, wow, I get bent out of shape pretty easy. Even within the church, even with God's people, even with the daily grind, we often just like, God, what are you doing? And you have this 86-year-old man saying, why are you still talking? Just do what you said you're going to do to me. It was a confidence that he had that it was going to be worth it, that it was going to be better 
that whatever God had for him, he was okay with. First Corinthians 15 tells us, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's producing something is not in vain. It's not in our timing. It may not be in our way, but we are to keep pressing on. We're to keep pressing on for others. We um, often feel the same way that that text said, where we're speaking the truth and we're called liars, where we are We are, in God's eyes, looking one way. In the eyes of the people that we are laboring for, being said something totally different. And sometimes that even puts us in the situation where we can falter. No one wants to be isolated. No one wants to be disliked. No one wants to be pushed on the side. But at the sake of their souls, for what they need, which is truth and love, would you risk being marginalized? Would you, would you risk at times putting in the work even though it appears that no one appreciates it. The, the text here says that your labors in the Lord will not be in vain. But Solomon said, chasing after all of these things is chasing after the when. Because what does it produce? You build up all of this stuff, and then the next person comes along, and they take it, and they didn't work hard for it, and they just kind of blow it. What's, it. what's it worth? Is it worth that kind of effort and energy and time? Those things that are going to be eaten up by moths, that's going to rust, that's going to be stolen by thieves. Your labors are not in vain. We are to watch our life and our doctrine closely. So, so there needs to be a consistency in what you say and how you live. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. People are watching. People see you when you don't realize that they're looking. They see your motivations. They see your heart. Sometimes they're not getting it right. 
They're saying things about you that aren't true. You even going to them in a loving way for the sake of the gospel is repulsive to them at times. But when they come to the place where they're in need, you may be the person that they're going to come to. Persist in that. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. You were bought as at a price. So glorify God in your body. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you are healed. One thing that I love about what God has done he has not called us to do anything that he do, didn't do that we couldn't do. The, the, the things that he calls us to, these hardships, these afflictions, these, these momentary light things can compare to what Jesus did on our behalf. The price that he paid. So the question becomes, what price are we willing to pay? This is, this is a year of unity. In the church, in our households, what we do in engaging in the community. But we always have to speak truth and love. So, so, so that may mean things may look uh, as if there's a greater separation. First off, we need to use discernment in the way that we approach our lost loved ones. And we need to have grace for one another in the church and recognizing the condition of those outside of the church. Just like we spoke about last week, we are those that can see. So the way that we treat those that are blind is recognizing their condition and being long-suffering and patient and desiring for them to be saved and recognize that God saved that as us at such a cost. And now we are his vessels. We are his workmanship. We are his holy priesthood that he uses to touch other people's lives. Imagine that. Would you stand, family? God is always at work. And as we always say, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. 
to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and power and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. God bless you, saints.